The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This episode of Beyond is brought to you by ForHims.com. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com. Do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond. 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 Beyond, and hello to episode 560 of Beyond. My name is Jonathan Dornbush. I am your host this week for IGN's weekly PlayStation show. Before we start, a quick reminder that this show is live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com. You can get the show there for a full 24 hours before it appears on all the other services you're used to watching or listening to it. But otherwise, check out beyond.ign.com every Wednesday at 3 p.m to catch the new episodes. Anyway, mm-hmm. moving on to the actual show itself. I'm joined this week by Max Scoville. Howdy. Brian Altano. Hello. And a fourth chair that doesn't exist. Ooh. We got rid of it. That's it? Well, no, for just for this week, it's, right? Yes, just for the... No, it, it's okay. been, be it's been yes. a hectic week, so we couldn't find anyone else who wanted to come in here and sit in this immensely cold room. It's really freezing in here. Very not, cold. Yeah. What else is cool? PlayStation. The, the Hell play, yeah. The PlayStation Classic. Oh yeah, we're going to talk about the PlayStation Classic. Got announced, what, like seven hours after we recorded last week? Yeah, mm-hmm. as, as normally happens, uh, obviously if you're listening to this week's show and you're wondering why we also aren't talking about the PlayStation Plus free games, it's because they definitely were announced after we started recording. The best time to record a podcast is either constantly or never. Yes. Because either way, you're going to miss some stuff. And so our philosophy is just once a week. Yeah, once At a week. Most and, and hope for time. the best. Yes. Hope we don't get an exclusive announcement out of TGS from Sony to everybody else. Uh, yeah, this was cool news. I um I saw some pushback immediately from Nintendo fans, of which I am one. My first, my gut reaction was to balk at this. I actually went and looked to see if the uh, Twitter account that tweeted out was real, because I was like, <laughs> no way, PlayStation Classic. That's completely on the nose. Now, obviously, this is something everybody's been asking for. It's something we've actually probably, I believe, theorized for on the show. Yeah, we've come up with a hypothetical list of games we've we want. Definitely photoshopped that large hand holding that small <laughs> yeah. console. When yeah. I saw that photo, I legitimately thought, did they take that from our website? Yeah. I feel like I've seen it on IGN for a couple years now. Exactly. So yeah, this this is this is happening. This is a real thing. It will have twenty classic games, of which we know five currently. Although. Given Sony, maybe we'll find out the rest in the next seven hours, and we'll let you know exactly, all yeah. that. Exactly. Most likely, it's it's what it's FF Seven, uh, Breath of Fire Four, uh, Tekken Three, Tekken Three, mm-hmm. Jumping right. Flash, and then I'm gonna play uh, Ridge Racer Type. Ridge, okay, there we yes. go. Yeah. Uh, so those are the five that we know, and there are 15 more coming. Uh, obviously, the announcement came out. Chances are you've all reacted. I'm to sorry, that Wild already. Arms. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, beyond that, though, we 
Beyond, Beyond, wanted to check in with Sony because there were a lot of questions lingering after the announcement of the PlayStation Classic. A lot of people were sort of surprised there is no USB-AC adapter in it. You have to purchase that separately, so people That's, were wondering. No, st- stop it. Yeah? So that, is an, that is an asinine complaint in 2018. How many of those things do you have kicking around? So that was one of the things we reached out to Sony and asked about, like, hey, can I just use the phone charger? And they were like, yeah, as long as it meets, I believe it's the 5.01A voltage requirement, which is basically any normal smartphone. Right. So if you have, like, five yeah. of those iPhone chargers hanging around, those little white blocks, you can... Like, also, there. chances are, if you have a TV that can power this thing through HDMI, it probably has a USB port on it that will power it. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll put it this way. I've been buying Nintendo handhelds since I was, I don't know, five and for the last, I'd say the better part of the last six or seven years, new Nintendo 3DSs and 2DSs, et cetera, do not ship with their very, you know, significantly proprietary charging block. Yeah. Uh, they assume that anyone buying a 3DS or a 2DS just has a bunch of them lying around, so you're good to go. Or they'll buy one used at GameStop or get a second one from somewhere else or on Amazon or something like that, buy a third-party one. This is much more easier to come by in terms of, like, not having all the necessary packaging in the box. Um, is it kind of a pain in the ass? Yeah. I feel like it's just, especially because the, the unit is $100, whereas the Classic NES, or the NES Classic, the Super NES Classic are 60 um, they come with everything you need effectively. Yeah. Uh, Even SNES got bumped up to 80, but that had the two controllers in it. Yeah. So yeah, there's I don't I don't know what the bottom line looks like on these things. I know they're they're saving a, f- a, a couple pennies a box, right? Um, and that saving is being passed down to you, the consumer. Uh-huh. Uh, luckily for you, you probably have a bunch of these things sitting around. But like, if you're a little kid and you don't have a smartphone and you get one of these for Christmas and you have great nostalgia from a console from 20 years no, no, ago, no, no, no. <laughs> again, again, what what universe is it where you've got a you've got a smart t- like a, a a flat screen TV mm-hmm. that by some chance does not have a USB port of any kind on it, and you don't have anything else hooked up to your TV that also has a USB out on it? Like, if you have a PS4, you can effectively power this thing off of it. Like, you can... Yeah, that was my I curiosity, was I was going to... the fir- When we get this in the office, my first thing was going to be, like, plugging into a PS4, a PS4 Pro, right. different consoles to right. see if it works through all of them. Oh, no, totally. I mean, if it and doesn't it, work, like, take take these words out of my mouth and throw them in the garbage. Yeah. But, like, in the meantime, I just think that's, like... It's one of those things people are like, oh, doesn't have an AC adapter. Let's talk about that. I'm like, it's... I, again, I think 100 bucks is probably too much for what this is. Yeah, I think it's more annoying it doesn't have a DualShock controller. I know. Yeah. My, yeah. So that was another thing we reached out to them and asked about was, and because it can somewhat limit the library that will be on this yes. thing, was which hey, is definitely intentional. Yes, and it was like, hey, it's coming with the traditional first PlayStation controllers. Will we be able to plug in like a DualShock 4? It has those USB ports, it looks like. Can we use that? Uh, they responded PlayStation said peripherals for the original PlayStation or later platforms are not supported on PlayStation Classic which is designed to work with the bundled controllers yeah. so it's clearly intended to be with this whether that means there is a PlayStation Classic 2 that isn't the PS2 Classic which would have DualShock would be odd I don't think they're going to do like a half measure step like that but it does yeah. negate something like Ape Escape from really being Are they going to do like a PS1 Classic and it's like an even smaller <laughs> the, p- <laughs> the size of a bar of soap The yeah. Pizone you mean? Yeah, yeah, the Pizone. Um, that's yeah, that's that's a you know we've talked about this before, but that's a weird thing about about the PS One is like when and the, the Genesis had the same thing where one day they just introduced six button controllers and it created this sort of like line in the sand. Like we've seen it happen with so many things, like even like PlayStation Move. There's in any generation, no big or small. 
when you create a sort of secondary uh, direction for controllers or output devices or input devices to move towards, you start to split the audience and you start to fragment the amount of games that can come to it and what works and what doesn't. Uh, that's interesting about this. Uh, back to the charging block thing real quick. I think the only thing that's like disappointing about it is that this is inherently designed to be a self-contained unit. Like everything about it is right there in the box. And so, yeah, with all of these things, there's some questions that pop up with the Nintendo stuff, which is obviously the closest thing we have to compare it to because Nintendo, the Super NES Classic was the best selling console, I believe, in June. June? Yeah. Think, yeah. Which a lot of people were like, what? That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. And it's I'm sure. It's not a console. That doesn't yeah. count at all. And so, uh, some of the product shots we've seen of this thing, the cord looks like it's six inches long on the on the PS1, and that's a problem. Yeah, cord I is going to be a very interesting yeah. thing because that I was such a big NES. Did they problem. did they answer how long it is? Uh, they, we did not uh, get anything back on cord length. Interesting. I'll follow up about that. Uh, seems we, really, it seems like they're really not like they didn't have their homework completely done on this one. Well, so the the logic behind the NES Classic one, and this is a faulty logic that I don't I don't adhere to, but uh, they effectively said that the way this console is supposed to be designed is that like the controller and the console itself sits on like your lap or on the floor on the couch next to you and you provide your own nine foot long HDMI cable and you run it to the back of the TV because that way if you need to access save states or reset or anything like that, the NES obviously incredibly limited amount of buttons, no shoulder buttons, two face buttons and then a start and select and a D-pad. PS1, a couple more buttons, but if you wanted to access stuff like quick saves, which I assume are going to be all there. So the reset button on the console will let you do that. Yeah, yeah, so they want you to be able to access that console and so these companies are strategically and specifically making the length of the controller cable short, which is the opposite of the way we interact with video games yeah. in modern times. I mean, I it's stupid. It's I straight play up stupid. my SNES Classic from the top of my stairs and run a forty-two long cable <laughs> down the stairs to my living room, so I don't see any. I don't have two floors. I'm in San Francisco, and you set up a series uh, of mirrors. Yeah. That's how you it's, you properly replicate a, a '90s CRT experience. Yeah. Yes, really, yeah, just just hiding the damn thing. Mm -hmm. That's how I attempt. Uh, so we did reach out to them, though uh, we don't have cord length answers, but we do have a few more answers about what's actually in the box. So we asked them about, you know, that 20, uh, the 20 game lineup. I think a lot of people with the NES and SNES, excuse me, wondered, hey, but can we get more of these games? Because there are so many games to choose from. Uh, PlayStation did confirm that there won't be more games added to this post-launch. That right. essentially the 20 you get at launch, that is the 20 that this you This is a with. closed ecosystem through and through forever until yes. modders figure out a way around it. <laughs> yeah, until yeah. it acts like a PSP. And we but what's disingenuous, them. yes, exactly. <laughs> what's uh, disingenuous about this is that they put up five games out of 20 in the library, but then had no problem putting this up for pre-order. To which us as stupid consumers all pre-ordered thousands of them, sure. obviously, because uh, we're like we want that thing. And Nintendo has trained us that there will be uh, a uh, you know a manufactured or or fabricated uh, supply Man, constraint yeah. on these things. And so we all pre-ordered them, but we don't know if those last fifteen games are just garbage. Yeah, like they could be. I, we assume they're not, and everybody's you know putting together lists of hypothetical games they want to see there, but. I think that kind of sucks. Like, I'm really excited about this. When I first saw it and I saw the trailer for it, I'm like, it's really cool. But the fact that we only know a quarter of the of the games that are going to be on there, and that's the real star of it, yeah, um, that is kind of a bummer. And I yeah. think that kind of sucks to put that up for sale for a hundred bucks and not really know what we're buying into. The it's also, I mean, it's also coming down from the kind of the hype of the the last two classic consoles, which everyone got really worked up about. And I yeah. think that almost it. 
I think that there's that thing where you're like, oh, nostalgia, I want this thing, and then you get it, and like I have a, a super, I have a Super NES Classic. I think it's awesome. I think it's a wonderful little device. I barely play it. Yeah. Like I have it in my guest room, and I'm just like, hey, if my friend, like I brought it on vacation with me. It's really fun for that if you're like staying in a you know crappy Airbnb that doesn't yep. have anything, and you're like, I'll play Zelda with my friend or whatever. It's it's great, but. At the same time, it wasn't like I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and replay everything. Yeah. yeah, and I think there's you know maybe third time around with these like with PlayStation, people are like, ah, maybe maybe I'll just buy those games piecemeal elsewhere. You I'm know? totally like, with yeah. you. They, it, those consoles for me have fallen squarely in the sort of like Nintendo Wii post honeymoon phase era where they're only really used for parties. Uh, like I had both of my brothers over and they we booted up the NES Classic and played Blades of Steel and a bunch of other classic games. The cool thing about those things though is that unlike uh, many things that we've bought in our lives, they look cool under your TV even when you're not using them. So when you have a tiny PlayStation on one side of your TV and hopefully in a couple of years a tiny PS2 on the other side of your TV, like right now I have the NES Classic and the SNES Classic on each side of my soundbar and they just look cool. They just make yeah. me happy. And they're conversation starters too because people will come over and be like, "Do you have a, is that a tiny Nintendo? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, actually it is. I, think I mean, they're cool party consoles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, like, this totally depends on what the what the lineup is. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, and uh, we did put a wish list up on the site, which was from a few people and stuff. And I do want to get uh, some picks from you guys too, specifically. But I, people did make the good point. We did have a few M-rated games, and I think like the likelihood that they'll actually put M-rated games oh. on this console limits mm. the buying capabilities. I didn't even think I, of that. I didn't either, as we were putting together. It was a weird omission on my part, but I didn't think about that. But it is true that to sell it to the widest audience, you can't really have M games, which does negate a few really good options. Right, which is not a problem on Nintendo. Nintendo, right, because yeah. it's uh, the closest you get is like Mortal Kombat and Super Nintendo that had green blood. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So w what I was thinking, I think a lot of us were thinking this is that maybe it would connect to PSN and you'd be able to download stuff. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of what the PlayStation TV did. Yeah. Which was effectively the guts. It was like a dumbed down guts of a Vita, Vita. that you could use a, a, a DualShock Three with. Yeah. Yes. I have, I have an awesome idea for a console that can connect to PSN and download PS1 games. Mm. The PS4. <gasps> Maybe let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> so on both of the things you guys just mentioned, uh, I did ask them, one, does this affect the chance of bringing more classic games to the PS4 or even eventual other consoles? And they said this is not necessarily uh, indicative of their plans for those consoles. So yeah. not to say that if these 20 games appear here, we will never see them in something maybe you can buy on PS4 or on a future console if they do any backward compatibility. Yep. So yep. These things exist in isolation. Yes. They are yeah. they are like end cap stocking stuffers at at Walmart, so people who are flying through on holiday season are like, oh, I love that thing, or my friend used to love that thing, or I have great memories of that thing. Yeah. 100 bucks, boom. You but know? in terms of connectivity, I did ask them about that specifically because I really want to know about trophy support. Uh, there <laughs> is no, I mean, I would love if these old games had trophies. Uh, they confirmed that there is no PSN functionality or will be not be connected to your PSN account in any way. Uh, it essentially doesn't have that capability, and there are not enhancements in terms of trophy support or anything of mm -hmm. that type. So yeah, it really... I feel like a trophy support would be a headache for it, it would be a lot, yes. I, I I totally get the uh, how much effort that would take. I guess my thing is speaking to the NES and SNES is like we know both the ups and flaws of those systems, and I wish they would have taken some of the flaws of those systems into consideration and really built this out as a more fully featured package. Right. I'm excited to if the lineup is great, I will get this. But it is that totally if they had really fleshed this out and set a new benchmark for what these classic systems are supposed to be. I think that would cause the competition in that space to really elevate too. I agree, and uh, even digging into like a little deeper, I, I want to know more about the OS. I want to know how yeah. that sort of unfolds, like if how the games are sort of categorized, um, how you're able to add filters, uh, if they'll do borders because these are not 
they don't fill the whole screen for the most yeah. part. This thing um, could very well really disappoint. It's totally possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I also, think. I mean, the, the games from this era, they don't like. There are a lot of classics in there. There's a lot of duds. Yeah. You know, there's so, yeah. a lot of stuff that doesn't that doesn't really age as well as as 16 bit did. Yeah, totally. I, I do want to know yeah. a couple games from you guys. If you had to put one or two on here immediately, Max. Uh, obviously, we had a couple. Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> yeah, if Metal Gear Solid is on here. I'm buying it. Like I'll I'll play pays scalping right. prices for it. Yeah, uh, because I've been I've been dying to replay that game for ages. Like I don't have my PS3 around, uh, and I like I, I was trying to figure out like how do you how do you legally play Metal Gear Solid, and like you you got to get it uh, like I think I could get it on Vita. I have a Vita lying mm-hmm. around somewhere, but like I want to play it on the screen. Uh, that's one option. If it has like Metal Gear Solid and um, I don't know Silent Hill would be cool. Yeah, I, I've yeah. that was actually Silent my Hill. pick. Yeah. Silent, Silent Hill is like one of my favorites because it's also it's um. It's designed around its flaws, effectively, because it is, you know, back in the day when you played something like Turok on the N64 and it was covered in fog, you're like, this is an ugly game. But in Silent Hill, it adds to the atmosphere. And when they tried to, like, sort of clean up that game and remaster that game, they pulled the fog away because they're like, look, you don't need it anymore. And it's like, you missed the point. Like, that's... That's supposed to be there. It's it's mm-hmm. like when you're watching old horror movies, like that film grain adds to the the creepiness of it. Um, so yeah, that would be that would probably be my pick. Obviously, the old you know anything Castlevania is yeah. is is just perfect for that controller as well. Symphony of the Night, I would love. There has been a recent ESRB rating for a Symphony of the Night and Rondo of Blood dual pack, right, for right. PS4, which would possibly negate it being on the PlayStation Classic. But I'm curious to see. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, right? Because it's like I, I think this is this is such it's this a different is a, market. Yeah, it's in it's in isolation. Like I said, it's yeah. it's in its own bubble or echo chamber, or whatever it is for you know for 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 good and bad. Yeah. Um, I do hope that like you know their answer to you about this sort of helping the conversation go up again on on PS4 with classic games, and they kind of brush that aside. I do hope that this does bring that up more yeah. like there is an awareness and people they they do understand that there is that people are starved to play these games again in a convenient fashion and the ps4 has been a pretty big letdown in that regard you know like there's been isolated little combo packs of of classic games being ported we get remasters of like you know like stuff like shadow of the classes and stuff like that but we don't really there's no dedicated like virtual console or yeah. there's no like oh you get a drop every single week of this. I would love even in PS Plus if like they oh, sl- God, yeah. they slowly yeah. phased out PS3 games because no one's using that system anymore. And clearly there's a, it's a, it's difficult getting people are definitely still playing PS3. Oh, of course, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I mean it's it's also if they can't get PS3 games running on PS4 and have like full blown crossplay, it'd be nice if they were like hey here's some PS1 classics that are playable on whatever it is you're yeah. playing. That's what I mean. And, and, yeah. yeah, and then I mean yeah. what is it we. Were there no PS2 classics on PS3? Were there were there some kicking around? The PS3 was the the launch model of the PS3 had, and the 60 gig was, the back, was yeah. backwards compatible. It had like a PS2 in it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. And like, were, that's why it was that. Emulator. And then weirdly, the Vita was like pretty great about opening up to the PS1 library. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of classics there that are just really cool because it was so much stuff I missed because um, I I was broke when the P- when the PlayStation came out and I had one but I could only like most kids I could afford the games I, c- I had and the ones I could trade with my friends and stuff like that uh, so on uh, like on later platforms specifically their handhelds I was able to play a lot of stuff that I missed out on um, and then the PS4 came up and I don't know if that's an emulation issue mm-hmm. but it's it's so weird to have a PS4 Pro underneath my TV and it's like the most powerful console they've ever made uh, but it can't do the things that the $100 set-top <laughs> box toy that they're going to sell yeah or like the, the crappy Android device that is running running ROMs on it or whatever. Well, that's the other that's thing the that's thing frustrating. I don't, like, 
there are plenty of ways that I could be playing old games from 20 years ago. In illegally. jail? Yeah, in jail. As a crook, I wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> I'm not going to steal a pizza. I'm not going to steal the games. Would you True download a cardboard box and hide in it? That being said, I yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I yeah, spent tons of yes. time in high school playing ROMs and emulating, and it was like, you know, it's technically illegal. Uh, and that was back when... Technically. Yeah, when I was... I, I don't know. Maybe I had a cartridge for one of those sitting around somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I... I don't know. I I had a computer back then that could not run a PlayStation One game. It was like yeah. that was equivalent to to you know a, a couple year old games at that point. So like now to be like, oh yeah, you could you have hardware that's sitting around that if the manufacturer wanted to put these classic games on it, they could. And there's why why not? We interrupt this program to bring you a brief message from Hims, a new wellness brand for men. Here's a not-so-fun fact. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35, and by the time you start to notice hair loss, it's usually too late. It's generally easier to keep the hair that you have than to replace the hair that you've lost, so why not do something about it? 4hims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, and other stuff like that that might be embarrassing to deal with in person. Luckily, with Hims, there's no waiting rooms, no awkward in-person doctor's visits, and you can save plenty of time by just going to a website. Hims connects you with real doctors and gives you medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss and other possibly embarrassing problems. And this isn't snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements either. These are well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. If this sounds like it would help you out, order now. Our listeners get a trial month of hymns for just five bucks today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details, but this would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or to a pharmacy. So just go to forhims.com slash beyond. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash beyond. Once again, that's forhims.com slash beyond. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. Yeah, I'm very curious to see. I have a feeling that I would love more of these PlayStation classics that are on PS3 and Vita like to come to the PS4, but I feel like we won't see a big announcement sort of thing like that until whatever the PS5 is like at mm -hmm. this point in the life cycle. It may be a while to go. But for people who do have a PS4 and want to play some older classic games or some recent classic games, PlayStation Now lets you download games and play them offline. Very awesome. Yes. Uh, you mean so to tell me that PlayStation Now will let me play the games of PlayStation then? Now. Ooh. I like can I? Can now I? Now and year. <laughs> uh, so it will allow you, just uh, for a brief recap, PlayStation Now, if you're subscribed to it, will let you download both the PS, some of the PS4 titles as well as PlayStation 2 titles uh, mm. that they have available for it. So let me let me tell you guys something about myself that's very odd uh, when it comes to video games. I You've I, never played one. I've never played one. I've been lying. This is you've been faking it the whole time. <laughs> we don't need another one of those this year. Um, I uh, have been basically all digital with my video game library for a very long time. But even then, there's some semblance of ownership over having purchased a game. Uh, having having it downloaded, having it there when I need it. If there's, you know, if like I can't get to the internet, whatever, it's there. I can play it. PlayStation Now is a really awesome service that didn't connect with me because I didn't. I felt like I was borrowing a game from somebody. It felt like it was just kind of floating in the ether. And it's like when I see games get announced, as like they announced like you know Resident Evil Seven and Assassin's Creed Origins as like streaming only games on Switch in Japan. I don't like I don't like that. I find that really weird. And so yeah. I, mm -hmm. is that weird? Is that just me? I, no, no, no. I it's completely get that. Okay. And I, I don't think it's even straight up. I guess it is kind of ownership. I think there's a feeling of like it's. Uh, it's. I mean, it's. It's almost like 
I don't know. It's like a. It feels like a demo kind of. Like it's a feeling yeah. of like you're never gonna really. You never really make your mark on it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, if you're borrowing it from somebody, there's always this sort of this almost this pressure to get through it because it's gonna evaporate at some point. That's yeah. It. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. Um. I like I signed up for Xbox Game X, Xbox Game Pass because uh, there was a deal. It was like ten bucks for three months, and I'm like, oh, dude, I'm all over this. And I got I just got sort of like overwhelmed because it just opened the keys to like 60 games and I was like I don't know where to start and I feel like I have to do this quick because my my three months are going to run out and then they're going to charge me again and what should I do and I just kind of froze and played nothing or just played Resident Evil or something (laughs) like that like with PlayStation Now I just played Resident Evil 4 yeah, and I was like, "Oh, I could have done that elsewhere." And I believe then they ported RE4 HD to PS4, and I bought that in a heartbeat, even though I didn't need to. And like, I'm the same way with like, with like Star Wars movies. Like, I I bought them all digitally, even though like a couple of them were on Netflix. And I'm like, "Yeah, but I want I want them on my Movies Anywhere app. I want to download them on Amazon. I want them on my phone." Well, and even in that case, there is still something to be said about the fact that you they could take that away from you at any point. Yes. That service could show, But there is I'm the totally, other I mean there totally is a disconnect. Right. What about our yeah, wonderful yeah. libraries of PlayStation Plus games that we've downloaded? Do we have them we have them downloaded and we own them as long as we subscribe to PlayStation Plus. Right. Which I feel like I've gotten very comfortable there, but if for whatever reason I ever unsubscribed from, from PS Plus, suddenly my library would be just like decimated. You do have a oh window. Oh, God, yeah. The, the, like, there what? is a window. Is it yeah. six months? I believe it's a six-month window. Yeah. Uh, which is, so, well, I know it's six months for cloud saves. Yes, they, Nintendo just announced that the... Oh, for PlayStation. For also. PlayStation, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nintendo, that they just announced that too, that you will have cloud saves for six mm-hmm. months. I believe... I've had my subscription lapse by accident for like a week or so, yep. uh, and I've still been able to retain them. I just got my email from them I, walking into here that yeah. was sort of just like, hey, it's time. You owe us some money. And <laughs> yeah. it's, it always feels like a little skeevy, and I'm always like, I know I got to do this. I got to pay you guys 60 bucks a year. Uh, and then I, 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 I always tell myself to be better about it and then jump on one of those sales where you get a card for like 40 bucks, yeah. and then I forget because I'm tired. Same. And then they just auto-charge my card. But yeah. no, so... To circumvent all of that, letting you download games to your PS4 hard drive is a step in the direction that I can get with. <laughs> you are well, emulating ownership. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I am lying to myself, but it's 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 tricking me into thinking that I have something that isn't going to expire. Except for the fact that these systems will now check in on you. Yes. And do we know how long? Is it every day? Uh, is I, it every two days? I want to say it's a seven-day period or so. I don't have it exactly. So that was a lot of the pushback. But Obviously, we're, we've brought up Nintendo a lot on this show because these these companies are doing two very similar things right now. Um, Nintendo just launched its NES Online thing, which is effectively their answer to PlayStation Now, but just with NES games, it's basically Netflix. And their thing was that every seven days, they will check in on you to make sure that you're connected to the internet and you're paying for it and stuff like that. Which yeah, is, you wouldn't want to be stealing these games from 35 years ago. Exactly. <laughs> it's so stupid. Hey, we got a we got a guy over here who's playing Balloon Fight. Right. Uh, we don't know if he legally owns it. <laughs> which, like, I think with a handheld, it's, it's kind of a pain in the ass because you might go a little bit of time traveling, not being able to connect to Wi-Fi in a hotel, whatever it is. With a console, you're pretty much like, if there's a power out or a flood, yeah. the least of your problems is Saints Row Two. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I had some Maybe. nonsense where I, I think I brought my laptop to like my mom's house and she didn't have Wi-Fi or something like that. And I was like, oh, well, I'll play like a game on Steam. It'll be fine. And I, I didn't do the little handshake thing where it, yep. it signs off on all that. And I hadn't been like, you know, I didn't go ahead of time to be like, hey, uh, like and I never play Steam games. So I was just was going through all these games and they were like, nope, nope, nope. And I'm like, OK, well. I, I guess I these games I own I can't play so mm-hmm. whatever you know so much for ownership. I will uh, say one more thing about PlayStation Now. Um, I wish it wasn't as it, it didn't feel so disconnected from the rest of the sort of ecosystem and services that they offer on PlayStation. I think that's bad. You should see Crackle. Oh yeah, Crackle has no <laughs> idea what they're doing. And they're, yeah, 
What's up, Crackle? All right, we're turning into a Crackle podcast. Uh, No, I did want to, on that topic, uh, Jonathan James from the Beyond group on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash group slash podcast beyond, and I did not choose him just because his name is also Jonathan. He asks, with the ability to download games on PS Now, do you think it is a step toward combining PS Plus and PS Now into one service that they may hike the price up? And my question for you guys is, especially I feel that disconnected sort of thing too, and that's why I've never really jumped on PS Now. Mm -hmm. Do you think that... Sony is starting to position it and whatever they may do with it in conjunction with PS Plus as their future virtual console or their future Games Pass to compete with Xbox's service. Do you see that as them making this move toward that? I hope so. Um, it's such a difficult balance because you you run into the issue we just talked about, which is giving people 100 games in one day and being like, look at your games, you got your games now, and you're like, ah, I don't know where to start. <laughs> um, so you have to find a way to sort of eventize these a little bit. Um, and so like once a month going like, here's your new drop, or once a week, um, you've got Metal Gear Solid 1, you've got the original Tomb Raider, you've got Silent Hill, and then next week you've got you know this game, this game, this game. Um, I think that's a good way to do it. Uh, right now, I think the service is being disconnected is a problem and people are doing an either or situation. I actually don't know. I don't know many people that subscribe to PlayStation now, but I don't know anybody that subscribes to both now and plus. Mm. Um, I will say that now I think in the office, people tend to not really have now. I don't really know anyone in the office who's subscribed mm -hmm. to it, but in terms of when we see user interest in PlayStation Now stories on IGN, they skyrocket to almost just as much as PS Plus when Mm -hmm. it's like 50 new games on PS Now. There is interest in that, and so I do think it is... It speaks to an audience that we may necessarily not be I mean, part yeah, of that, right now. That, but that rules. My my whole issue with it is that I don't think that streaming games are there yet. Yeah. And yeah. the worst thing is like even worse than the kind of the, the that feeling of not quite having ownership of something. It's the idea that like you could be playing a game and I mean forget not being able to access it because you don't have an internet connection to have your internet connection hiccup and to suddenly be like oh I'm not playing the game here I'm playing it somewhere over there you right know, it's out in the ether it's you're a in a boss game. fight yeah. and you're you know somebody in your house watches a video on their phone and all of a sudden like you're not in a boss fight anymore or the <laughs> boss beats you like it's just like we're not there yet i'm totally mm-hmm. with you yeah and we'll get there or we'll get there in an information hub like in a major metropolitan area most of the world will not get there for a long time so this is actually irrelevant information to a lot of people who are just not even close to thinking about PlayStation now. Um, you can circumvent that by downloading them, we I think hope. They, but I think they have the option. Like, I mean, Netflix and, and Amazon Prime have this where you can you can download things to a, you know, to a phone or an iPad or whatever, and you're like, you're, it's still a streaming platform primarily. You can always watch everything streaming and not worry about space on your device. But if you want to go on a long plane ride and bring this thing with you, you have the option of, of downloading whatever it is it's pulling from the cloud. So, mm-hmm. like... I, yeah, if we get that on PS4, that would be amazing. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, I think the download step for PS Now is a huge step in the right direction. I'm very curious to see if they end up integrating it at all with PlayStation Plus, because not just that mm-hmm. disconnect for people like us, but I, this opens up the avenue to say, oh, you wanted PlayStation 1 games, you wanted PlayStation 2 games, here you go mm-hmm. on that. Also, I mean, we're seeing this yeah. this glut of subscription services, and yeah. I think that we probably should do like a rank list of all the f- subscription services launching in 2019. We're Crackle. Getting, yeah, we're here. Yeah, Crackle Disney. is number one, the un- undeniable contender. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if, if Sony looked at everything they have over there and they were like, all right, let's do PlayStation Now, PlayStation Plus, Crackle, uh, PlayStation Movies, whatever it is, and just made this like effective like you know like loot box of of digital goods that drops yeah. every week, and they're like, hey, give us used to be sixty five bucks a year or whatever it is, now it's a hundred bucks a year, but you get you know effectively brand new PS4 games a month you get PS3 games you got that you get classic PS2 games you get some movies you get some music you get a little bit of everything like they would suddenly be like in a pretty big they'd be they'd be contenders there you know they'd be up there it's, with it's really funny that like we've spent like the last 20 minutes talking about uh something that used to just be on a disc 
and you you totally understand the argument for people who are like want physical media keep to keep going, which is you know uh, it's sort of completely opposite of where the industry itself is going with day one updates and huge patches and you know DLC and things that get added later on. Um, but we've now named three different ways that we hope we can play PlayStation <laughs> One games that used yeah. to just be on a disc. So like in many ways, like it's awesome and the future is here, but in many ways it sucks. <laughs> yeah. The future Growing is now pains. and then. Yep. The future is now plus. <sighs> now PlayStation. PlayStation, now hold on a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm very curious to see where PlayStation now goes. Uh, as we said, we don't necessarily subscribe to it, but a lot of people do. And I think them continuing to make inroads in it and support it is a good sign of faith. That mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't, I don't even believe in it. Wow. I don't think it's, I don't, I don't. I don't think it's real. Let's talk it's, about beliefs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I put a lot of stock in this PlayStation now. I've never seen anything to make me <laughs> believe one way or another. Okay, the Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> moving on from some good news for PlayStation players to some unfortunate bad news uh, for the industry at large. As you probably may have heard already, Telltale Games has effectively closed down. Uh, reports initially of Telltale Games letting 225 employees go uh, changed to 250, according to some of the employees there. Uh, a crew of about 25 employees is been left to fulfill contractual obligations the studio has. Uh, we've gotten some updates in the days since that uh, about what is going on with that Telltale Games that still exists, those 25 people. Uh, they were originally in a partnership with Netflix to produce a Stranger Things game for Netflix itself. Uh, Netflix has now said they're exploring other opportunities to continue Stranger Things in interactive form. Uh, we believe they're still working on Minecraft story mode for Netflix, which was one of their obligations that they may or may not have to fulfill. But The Walking Dead, the final season the big thing they're working on uh right now the wolf among us season two no longer is happening as far as we know or any future batman is been canceled but walking dead final season the second episode came out this week uh and then the third and fourth episodes of the season as far as we know will not happen uh telltale games on the official twitter account released a statement saying that they are exploring other opportunities and actively working to try to find other partners to finish up the season to deliver the end of clementine's story which i've seen a lot of reactions before we get into the discussion about it i've seen a lot of reactions from fans excited to see the end of clementine's story and i understand that and it is this is a character we've lived with for almost a decade now and of course you want to see the end of that character's story as many people have pointed out on twitter that character is fictional Mm -hmm. at the end of the day there are hundreds of real life people who were not given severance who were 200 250 characters who are out there trying to survive in a different kind of wasteland yeah who is the the bay area job market who were not given severance who were given that day's notice to leave were given a short window i believe earlier this week to re-enter the office and grab their belongings uh they all sucks got immediately had obviously no working opportunities some of them i according to tweets from telltale members were people from out of the country who were here on working visas and may now have to return to their home countries (sighs) within days of finding that out there are people who have full families to support all of this is awful and i understand the want of a lot of people to want to see the end of clementine's story i'm sure all the people working at telltale who no longer work there wanted to see that too but at the mm-hmm. end of the day the important thing to me is that telltale should treat those people right first and then worry about the fictional people they need to treat right um clementine's story can wait so that these people can live and yeah. be able to yep. support themselves I mean, it's it, it's great that they were like hey beloved adoring fans like let's you know finish this story that you want to see the end of but like that was really in poor taste yes. to just come right out and be like we know we've got a high priority here and it's also like somebody somebody pointed out that like if they have this this wonderful story that everyone loves and they're going to they're going to bring in people to finish it who weren't the people who were working on it to begin with 
Is that is that really like somebody was like if you write you know if you write Clementine has a happy ending the end happy, happy like is that is that any different you know like to to write it your own ending on a piece of piece of fan fiction like versus having a bunch of people who just were brought in like last minute to cobble together an ending? No, totally. Uh, I mean, I, obviously, I want to be sympathetic to the consumers that bought the season pass for this game that have supported the studio for years that want a conclusion, right? They want something there and that sucks for them. And I think there's, there's, there should be a way to answer them. There should be a way to get them their money back or allow them refunds uh, if possible. I know I've seen a hit or miss reports from people and it sounds like it's a case by case basis of the platform and whether or not you just get a good sales agent who I have seen refunds happen. I've seen some people say they weren't able to. And honestly, it just sounds right now, at least there is no unified way to do yeah. that. At the so I, I will say like in the interim, if you are a consumer and you bought the season pass and you feel burned, contact the the platform you purchase it through fight try to get your money back i think that solves that problem of 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 your you know your 15 20 bucks whatever it was that you you ended up paying for for the season um i do completely agree the bigger issue here is the way these employees were handled um in terms of clementine's fate uh we have gone in pop culture sometimes 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years between things to find out what happens to a character. I mean, how many sequels are 30 years apart? I mean, how, how long did it take us to find out like what what Luke Skywalker was doing, you know? <laughs> like literally 30 years. I thought it was like 30 years and then they were like, well, and then a bunch of people now you gotta really, wait three more years and, and also, people are really mad about what <laughs> he was doing. They didn't like what he did. <laughs> they don't so. like what he did at all. Mm. Um, so sometimes you wait forever. Sometimes you never get an answer. Uh, Jonathan, you and I before were talking about Deadwood, which is like yeah. a great show on HBO that just stopped. Um, and sometimes you get you get a fourth season like Arrested Development. Veronica and, Mars is getting a new season. Yeah, they had that movie ten years after mm-hmm. the show ended. Like I think Fringe got like it got a, it got closure. That's the TV show, but it also got like a web comic that came afterwards. Like I mean, Buffy and Angel have still been in comic. Form yeah, years. Buffy yeah. famously was like season seven is a comic. Mm-hmm. Like they just called. I think they just called it the next season. season. Yeah, yeah, it was like the final season. It was like that was. That's a cool way of approaching it. Which I think is interesting because it's like one of, the, one of the smart things about Telltale is that from the jump, they sort of, you know, they they buck trends on what the medium of video games was. They called their games seasons and their games looked like comic books. And so their their biggest triumph for the was The Walking Dead, which is based on a Robert Kirkman comic that has been going on and will go on until our children have children. Uh, but... This can end as a comic. I don't think this has to end as a video game. If you bought it as a video game and you want it to end as a video game, I don't think that's going to happen. So like I said, contact your representatives, get your money back. Your but local congressperson. In the meantime, I think there's a universe, I'd love to think there's a universe where you know um, Skybound or something else can come in and say, hey, we have, we have the Walking Dead franchise. We want to bring in the original writers. We want to bring in some artists. We want to finish Clem's story because you're so, you know, you're you're completely invested on on it. Even, you know, be smart about it. Do a choose your own adventure. Do a you choose know? your own adventure comic online. Yeah, do yeah. a choose your own that adventure be... comic online. Make a print version if you want. Give people the option to see where Clementine goes. I think that's fantastic. I don't think that is pressing at all. No. I think that can happen in a month, in a yeah. six months, in a year, in five years, whatever it is. You love The Walking Dead, the game. You're used to waiting for shit. Yeah. Like, that game is the kind of game that was just like, uh, so episode one is out in March. Episode two is out um, three presidents from now. <laughs> like, that's just the way it rolled. I, the biggest issue is making sure these employees are, are taken care of. Yeah, and I will say, like, if Hands there's down. any positive to take from this, is seeing just the crazy 
uh, outpouring of warmth and support from the rest yeah. of the industry. Um, mm -hmm. Seeing almost every studio and publisher that I could think of be like, hey, we have job openings. Hey, Ubisoft San Francisco was like, we'll do a happy hour at a bar near your old offices yep. and come hang out with us and we can talk about job opportunities. Um, it is incredible to see that happen and it is even more disheartening to know that this doesn't seem like th this problem with Telltale, which they had massive layoffs a while back, it doesn't seem to be like this this happened one day and all the bad was from that one day. It seems to be there were yeah. some endemic issues that I think some of the employees have hinted at uh, being a problem of the culture there. But seeing that was interesting to read. Yeah. I mean, th this is obviously a financial decision that yeah. had to do with a couple different things happening in, at the same time. Uh, I believe Variety reported that Lionsgate was like one of the big people that were sort of companies that were supposed to be like, here's a bunch of money. And yeah. then, nope, uh, obviously, you know, uh, I from a bird's eye view, it was very clear to say that they bit off more than they could chew at Telltale. They had, it became a running joke of how many games and licenses they were balancing at the same time. What makes them different than other studios is they don't really own anything. They have an engine, mm -hmm. they have assets, you know, they have that bat they made <laughs> and a bunch of other things. Not to like downplay what they did, but they, they, uh, Purchased or rented licenses from from major brands, and then those 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 stories ran their course, yeah. or in some cases never even w got out the door. We saw you know? we saw recently like there was some hesitance at Insomniac over doing Spider Man, which clearly is doing very well. But they were like, we want to own our IPs. Yeah, yeah. We like to have our own thing because if we're going to work our asses off on this, it sucks to have to write a check to whoever it is who holds the rights. I just I just like I was just saying I don't even want to play a game if I'm like borrowing it from space. And like <laughs> yeah. they don't want to work on something for five years that they can't keep. Yeah. And so that's the kind of the give and take of working with a triple A franchise like The Walking Dead, which uh, I believe has kind of crescendoed in the same way the show has. Like the the excitement for that game franchise was happening as that show was going on. And as that show was sort of plateaued or even dwindled over time, I think excitement for the game has like it's you know one hand feeds the other or whatever. Rising tide raises all ships all the fun things but i i really hope a lot of these people land on their feet in lieu of uh you know unions and guilds that the industry doesn't do like hollywood does um it is good to see everyone sort of come together and go like hey we're looking for jobs here i saw some of the the insomniac people were like hey we're working on spider-man dlc we need writers you guys are great <laughs> writers come on board come yeah. write spider-man I, I saw uh bill roseman from marvel games uh one of the writers from insomniac tweeted something like that and yeah. then bill roseman retweeted and was like hey we loved what you guys did with our guardians of the galaxy i'd love to see you on one of our other properties right. and yeah. seeing that wealth of support and a lot of the developers from telltale uh have been putting out ways that you can support those people in the interim when they don't have jobs you can find a lot of that on twitter under uh the hashtag telltale jobs there's a lot going on through all of that um but what you're saying is true about how we we didn't know about a lot of the issues of like crunch times and like workaholism basically and all well, this other stuff that was they all came tumbling out after the crash they were they were making this this fusion of like tv shows and comics and games and the things that like making making tv shows and comics is considerably uh more straightforward and uh less overhead and, and time intensive than making games mm -hmm. like i mean a tv show is a, is, a, is a static thing and a comic is a, it's a piece of, it's it's paper effectively you know you can, uh, two people can make it, one person can make a comic you know right but to make an entire game from the ground up and to have it you know have the flow of a tv show and the, the look of a comic is that's that's nuts. Well, That's they never lot. had to delay a season of The Walking Dead because, like, Rick's leg kept clipping into the wall for a month, you know? Maybe. No, yeah, that's. I, I think. <laughs> a, Who knows a, what Andrew Lincoln gets us to on set? Stuntmen have died, but you know that, that's true. Yeah, yeah but again, that's true. I, mean, I don't. You know, it's also he's leaving. So yeah, he's leaving. Um, yeah, it's 
Uh, it's really unfortunate. We talked a little bit, obviously, about I think unionization in the industry is continuing to be a larger growing and growing topic. And this is sort of endemic of that discussion needs to be happening mm-hmm. more directly and at a larger scale. We'd really need to be talking about those sorts of things. But uh, obviously, there's no nothing we can say that can make the situation better for all those people. But our sincere sympathies to everyone who worked at Telltale who no longer does. And thank you for the stories you created for years and the wonderful characters, mm-hmm. moments, and everything that you brought to us. Those are really cool. Um, I think there, there are a couple animators who were just like, like, well, I can't get fired now. So here's some stuff we did when you we were having fun, goofing around. There was um, there were basically outtakes from games, which yeah. I yeah. loved. It reminded me of like the deleted scenes that Pixar would have at the end, like bloopers. Um, there was one where, I think it was in Tales of the Borderlands, uh, there was... Uh, in the script, it said uh, Reese runs down a hallway, flipping off monitors on the way, meaning like flip, like turning them off, like powering them down. And they did like a test animation, and he just runs down the hallway, just giving the bird. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. And it was like, okay, so the animation team uh, took it very literally in a different way. Yeah, yeah, there's the great one of Lee in The Walking Dead season one, and he's oh, just yeah. like uh, disappointingly opening the same cupboard until he gets angry, and it's the camera's placed inside the, the, the shelf. And you just see him like sad, pissed off, furious, and he's slamming it, and then he runs outside, grows like 200 feet tall, <laughs> it, it makes a slide whistle noise, and then he starts shooting lasers everywhere, and it ends. And the animator was just like, uh, hey, uh, you know, I guess... I guess I can put this out there now. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, it, it's incredible to see, I think, the spirit that they had in making those games. And clearly you see the love and the passion and the fun that they had while mm-hmm. making those, even regardless of whatever crazy circumstances. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's I think, the worst thing is with stuff like this, um, especially when it's when it's all buttoned up under NDAs and, and you know, tightly guarded. Uh, a lot of the time, people don't even get to show their work. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's that's... That's horrible, you know. I, to spend to spend weeks and months working on a project, and then to be sort of like like oh, clean out your desk, and uh, you know, you don't that none of the things you worked on are yours, you know. Right. So I'm glad that these people are like, hey, here's the thing I made, you know. Here's here, the whole point of this is the the reason that people work long hours is because they care about making something, and uh, end of the day, you still have to, you know. <laughs> buy food and and a place to live. Yeah, so. and like on a personal level, I just want to say. Thank you to Telltale for being so wonderful, specifically in our our communication with IGN over the years. Um, So many fantastically talented people that worked on those games have been in this room, in the studio, people like Dave Finoy and Melissa Hutchinson and Troy Baker. Um, We had Anthony and Gruber on just last year talking about Playing the Joker. Playing the Joker. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. they, the wealth of characters that have spawned from this studio and the animators and, and the voice actors and, and the testers the and everybody and the yeah. writers and everything. Um, and so many of them have been here to talk about that process and been very transparent. Um, has just been fantastic. And I hope they all continue to find work forever. And I know they will. Yeah, there's a wealth of talent from that studio out there. And I we all hope they can find uh better jobs and better places to work from now on uh, and our sympathies go out to you. Uh, There's no easy way to move on to a new topic, but we have a few other things left to discuss this week before we leave. Uh, There was, for PlayStation 4 fans, a new Death Stranding trailer, which I know Max is excited about. Uh, From the Facebook group, Tahoe Ray Nevada asks, haven't we been playing Death Stranding for the past three years already? That's the game. It's watching the trailers. I I did want to, Max, I do want to do a little bit of a dive into the trailer with you and gleam what you think that trailer is about to a certain extent. But I I think there is something interesting to say that there's been so much fun just out of trying to guess what these trailers mm-hmm. are about and how they relate to each other and the meta game of this game. No, Kojima has said that that's part of it. Like yeah. he's he's sending signals out there to kind of have people unpack and and pick apart. And that's always been like since Metal Gear Solid Two, he's been like, yeah, man, memes, that's a thing. Like the internet is part of how we interact with each other. And he's, you know, this is this should be no surprise given that he announced uh, Metal Gear Solid Five as a 
uh, a, a fake studio and introduced it w- with like a Swedish mummy being interviewed by Jeff Keighley. That was like a weird thing. Anyway, the new trailer from TGS uh, <laughs> announces that his old pal Troy Baker is in the game as a man called the man with the golden mask. Uh, we've actually seen the golden mask before, uh, but this is definitely one of the most conventionally video gamey trailers we've seen for this game so far. It's it's Norman Reedus with his he's carrying uh, some sort of a mummy on his back in a sleeping bag somebody back there and then he runs into this troy baker golden mask character who rips off this golden skull mask shoves it into the ground and then it turns into this like weird gooey tentacly oil lion that looks kind of like the boar from princess mononoke and it's like pawing its mouth it's an octopus lion and he basically goes yeah you're gonna have to fight this guy now anyway i'll see you later (laughs) it feels very much like a cutscene that would play right before a boss fight and i can very like this feels you know, this feels like almost a, a, a boss reveal. Like this yeah. feels like a you know, and I've actually I'm, I think I'm going to put together a feature of like how many of the things we've seen in material leading up to this game are bosses or are game mechanics that we don't realize. Um, yeah, I think these trailers have been really clever about. Uh, especially if you're willing to dive into all of it, of telling you about the game without being like, here's the gameplay reveal trailer. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, we can get amazing showcases at places like E3, or even you see Red Dead Redemption 2 doing the gameplay trailer versus the wildlife segment or things like that. But with this, it's kind of like every trailer is telling you stuff about the game. It's just mm-hmm. not telling you this is how the navigation No, they works. just they this turn the, the HUD off, and they right. don't, you haven't been through the tutorial, so you don't know what anything is. And I think yeah. a lot of people are seeing all these and being like, man, Death Stranding is going to be a lot of, you know, like a lot of cutscenes. And it's like, uh, yes, almost definitely, but it's also going to be a lot of funky game mechanics because it's Kojima. Yeah, like the this, the dude's whole thing, like his um his his studio that with that he's got that that weird space knight mascot. Yeah. That's called his name's Ludens, which is short for Homo Ludens, which means like it's this whole philosophy of like humans being the only some of the only animals that play and the importance of play. And there's this whole like it, it, if you dig into like you know ludology, it's the study of how we interact with like what what is the purpose of playing and it's a thing that we do and it's it's somehow baked into our psychology and so he's digging into that and how we play in the 21st century and how we interact with 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 media and how we we are compelled to pick it apart and understand how stuff works mm-hmm. and he you know he sends out these weird kind of like you know marco polo signals of like here's the the golden mask man and his his <laughs> disgusting oil lion and every, what is why does norman Reedus have a baby or why is there a person on his back like well i also the- think that those those parts of the puzzle come together and get set in stone a lot easier because they are they're cinematics they're shot they're they're edited they're produced they're done they're they're voice acted the gameplay i feel like he'll be fine tuning until the moment it comes out mm-hmm. you know when you think back on metal gear solid 5 which is a <laughs> fantastic video game to play. It is a fun as hell video game to play. It's an unfinished story that yeah. didn't get to, you know. It's an unfinished story. And like when you think about the cutscenes, when you think about the, you know, the the fire unicorn and stuff like that, it's probably perplexing in your mind. And I doubt those are your favorite parts if you love MGS five like like we do. Um those are secondary to the core mechanics, which is just doing stuff in that game. And so I think once you actually start moving around this game, it's going to be phenomenal. And there's going to be a lot of groundbreaking stuff. And it's going to be just fun. I think that's what it's going to come down to. It feels like this very wet and morose game so far, but I think it's going to be incredibly fun to play. I mean, his games, even when they've been wet and morose, have a lot of fun in them. This is still a game like, yeah, you have to, like, I don't know, like, you know, kill your mentor or strangle a man or you fight an S&M psychic man or, like, whatever it is you're doing in these weird games. There's also, like, 
yeah, man, if you crawl around in the vents, you'll find like a random Easter Island head for no reason. Or if you, you know, you point the directional mic at a toilet, you hear a guard taking a crap. Or yep. like maybe you fight a guy who's drunk on rollerblades. Like there's always like a there's always a mixture of silliness and and I think there's gonna be silliness in this game. I think it's also just going to be incredibly strange. But I like the fact that we are trying to unpack this thing that we have no frame of reference for. We don't know yeah. how any of this works, and that's what's wonderful. So I don't know. I've, I I spent a bunch of time digging around in the uh, the Death Stranding subreddit, which is like full of people who are like picking stuff apart and they're trying to like they're looking at high res shots of Norman Reedus and looking at the like the equations that are on the the zip drives that are around his neck. And being like, hey, these trailers sync up, and oh, hey, they're also being released out of chronological order. What does that mean? This game's going to be nuts. It's yeah. pretty crazy. Uh, and especially with that air of uncertainty, we also don't know when the game is exactly coming. No. Uh, from the Beyond Facebook group, Namir Abdurrahman asks, Kojima Productions started in late 2015. Death Stranding is now in its third year, theoretically. Uh, is this a PS5 game or a cross-gen game? Uh, his guess is that it's a spring 2020 on PS4 with the PS5 releasing fall that year and a Death Stranding port the next year. So what do you both think about the release of this game? I, I do think it's going to... It'll it'll Twilight Princess Breath of the Wild bridge console generations for, for Sony. Um, and I don't think there will be a major difference in, in timing on that. Um, if it, I'm always torn on that because if you look at something like uh, like uh, what was it Twilight Princess launched on on was it on on Wii or it, la- it launched on Wii but came on GameCube two weeks later. Yeah. Whereas I f- was it like two two or three days later with Breath of the Wild, and then you look at uh, something like GTA Five or The Last of Us, those were months and months apart, um, and still effectively in in the respective consoles launch window when it came to next gen. Um, so that led to a lot of people double dipping, which you don't do when you're bridging like that. But I think this is this is a fantastic flagship to sort of go like. Here we are out the gate with PS5, which I don't think will launch in spring. I think that'll be a fall console, um, and I think it'll be 2020. Yeah, uh, I think that it's also going to be uh, a lot more considerate of, of backwards compatibility than the PS4 was compared to the PS3. Hope so. Uh, yeah, I mean it would be harder if it was if it was any worse. Uh, but I think there's an understanding that obviously people do have game libraries they probably want to bring with them, and you know it's, I think it's going to be just an iteration on the hardware. Like we've already kind of got a half measure of that with the with the Pro. Uh, that being said. Man, yeah, early 2020 seems like a pretty safe bet. I Do you think, think we see we, it next year at all? Do you think there's a possibility? I guarantee you we're going to see some insane nonsense from yeah. that game. Like, I think we're. Uh, I hope we get an idea of what the game like is in terms of how you play it. It would be kind of cool if there was like a, here's a demo of what the game is in action. Here's the core mechanic. We know that it's apparently very obtuse to try to make sense of it. Uh, was it Mark Cerny was like, I played it for 10 hours, and I it, then I started to click what it actually was. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. But we know it's playable. It's out there somewhere. I think we will get a release date next year. Yeah. Um, and then they won't hit it. But that's that's a start, right? That's yeah. okay. I'm I'm okay with that. I'm I'm in no rush. I'm I'm really excited for this game, but I'm not like give it to me right now because I still don't really know what it is. And Kojima's obviously having a fantastic time teasing out pieces of it. So, yeah. so let him keep doing that. I, you know? I mean, I interviewed uh, Kojima at PSX last year, and the whole thing is that everyone looks at like, oh, you, you, what's taken so long? And it's like, he's like, they didn't start making this game in 2015. They started a studio in 2015. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, we had to go and buy desks. We had to we had to hire a staff. Get coffee pots. We ha- yeah, like they had to do stupid stuff. That was number like, three. Yeah, they had yeah. to be like, where do, we, where do we eat lunch? 
yeah. who sits where, like this, like stupid little lay, like lay the groundwork stuff. And then they had to build the world that is the the fictional place right. we're going. Luckily, they had help from uh, from from Gorilla, who gave them the the Decima engine to work mm-hmm. with. And they were well, he had to shop were, around for that. Remember, yeah. there was like a full year of him shopping yeah. around. Yeah. And when they, when they bought the desk, they had to hire uh, the, the production coordinators to to put them in place. They had to shoot a cinematic trailer for the desk. They had to get a voice actor for the coffee pot. Troy Baker was the coffee pot. Yeah, he tees it all yeah. out piece to by be piece. Fair, yeah, their desks that they use there, they also use them for lighting tests. That's we a, still that's don't know thing. how yeah. the desks work. Desk Stranding, coming soon to PlayStation 5.5. But Mark Cerny sat at one for 10 hours, and he's starting to understand. And you get mad at me for talking about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> you want to talk about Kingdom Speaking Hearts? Speaking of Kingdom Hearts, there yes. Uh, put me go. on the clock yet again for one minute because right. I don't want to waste... Too many people's time. You can have care. more than that. It's okay. It's it's me no, hosting. Got, I'm saying it's always split. It's, the people are always like, it should be the next. Do one. more than a minute, or don't ever talk about this. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> right. the, I'll maybe do a minute okay. thirty. We'll see. Uh, so are you ready? Up. Yes. On your mark. Get set. Kingdom Hearts. Okay, so there's a lot coming out of Tokyo Game Show right now. Oh my god, you guys, they showed spoilers, I guess, if you want to hold off, don't listen to this next part. They showed a Sora and Aqua boss battle. Are you kidding me? Oh my god, that is going to be such an emotional fight. I'm going to be crying during the fight and before the fight and after the fight when that game comes out on January 29th on PS4 and Xbox One. We'll see if it actually comes out then. Uh, I am super excited by everything they showed at TGS, but I am also excited that they've actually confirmed, finally, Haley is back, everyone. Haley Joel Osment is still Sora. That dude is like 55. <laughs> I don't, he's not. Yeah, he is still Sora. Sora is only like 17, but he's still played by 16 or 17. He's still played by Haley Joel Osment, who played him in the first Kingdom Hearts. It's nice to see him stick through the series this whole time. We don't know who is playing Riku or Kyrie or some of the original Kingdom Hearts characters in this game, but we Tim do Allen. know. I hope he's everyone. <laughs> Tim Allen as Kyrie. Christmas Kringle. We are getting the Frozen cast back in full, which is pretty cool. We're getting Zachary Levi from Tangled. It's, it's really cool to see them continue to put. Disney voice actors in these actual games. We don't know about Big Hero and 6 done. and a few of the other, other worlds yet. I hope that Christy Carlson Romano hey, is hey, back hey, as Yuffie. You are pushing That's a minute it. 15. Ah, damn it. Anyway, that was my Kingdom Hearts 3 minute. Uh, there will be a lot. I'm good. Are you really going to cry during a boss battle? I want to. I Probably. Wanna, can we film that? Oh, we could absolutely live stream okay. me crying during a boss battle. It's going to be very emotional. Yeah, I, I love that. What? Uh, I don't know if I've ever cried during a boss fight. I've definitely cried after them and during games, but I don't know. During a boss fight, it's always too intense. I feel like you used to cry during Tetris. <laughs> To be fair, when I first played Tetris, I was like four, and I didn't know what that game was about. I thought it was about building a castle, <laughs> so I immediately would lose all the time <laughs> because they had a picture of the Kremlin on the cartridge. So I was like, "Oh, this is great! This is great!" I thought it was Minecraft. Like I thought it was a game about building with blocks. I love that. So I didn't I know where this was go, but that makes a lot of That's sense. And I so liked adorable. the music, so I played it a lot. And I was like, "Well, I, I almost I lasted a minute there. It was a good song." Tetris that was, coming yeah. to PSVR November 9th. That's yeah. true. Bring it all back to PlayStation. All over that. Uh, this has been Beyond Episode 560, the Internet's number one PlayStation show, according to the iTunes charts I looked at for like two hours last week at some point. So it was number one then. Also, we're <laughs> all losing to car talk. Exactly. So none yeah. of it matters. None of it I don't even matters. know what that is. Yeah. That show's great. They it's talk about great. cars. How'd you yeah. know that? <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond. You can listen to every episode of Beyond every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific. That is when new episodes of Beyond go up at beyond.ign.com. You can find me at JM Dorbush on Twitter if you want to hear me talk about PlayStation not at 3 p.m. on Wednesdays. Uh, Max, where can people find you? You can find me Max Scoville on Twitter, or you can check out my uh, competing Car Talk podcast, Car Talk Sucks. It's available on iTunes. <laughs> And Brian, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Agent Bizzle. You can also check out my car conversation show, which is called Trunk Talk, where me and my friends get locked in a trunk and muffle screams. Number one show on iTunes. 
And don't forget, Period. Barrett, our wonderful producer, has a Tonell and Mario Tennis Aces podcast that you can listen to every week. Barrett loves that joke every Toenail? time I tell it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a throwback to at least three episodes ago. I don't remember when. Anyway, this has been Beyond Episode 560. Thank you so much for listening and Beyond. 560, blaze it. Beyond. <laughs>